Again, we're in this series called Community. I think right off the bat, if you're an introvert, I said this last week, and an introvert would be like, That's, that sounds good for those weirdos who like people, but I'm not into that. I'm not into this series. Uh, but we said last week, hey, the reality is God's called all of us to be in community. You're actually wired. Your desire, your heart desire at the deepest level is to be connected, is to be in relationship, is to have something with somebody else. And so we saw in Genesis, we share, and I say this often, but God looked out at his creation and all throughout scripture, he said, that's good. And I created that and it's good. Trees, oceans, mountains, all these things he creates, he says are good. And then the scripture says he gets to a point where he looks down and he sees that Adam is alone and he goes, that right there is not good. It's not good that Adam's alone. He needs community. And I thought about it a little bit further, even after last week, uh, many would say, and I even said from the pulpit last week that the scripture says in Genesis, that God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day. He talked with them. He was connecting with them. So is it possible to say that Adam had God? Adam had God. But even more than that, God said, hey, you know, we got our thing. But even maybe more than that, we need each other. We need community among one another. So some might say, well, you know, I'm good with God. I got my podcasts and my sermons and my devotionals. I don't need people. Maybe Adam could have said that. I got God. Are you understand what I'm saying today? It's like, no, no, you, you need somebody doing life. And so we talked about it's important. We're wired to have community. I gave some pretty funny examples about how, you know, hunting guys, you know, you share about the deer that you got and the, the trail cams that you have. And, you know, Lions fans just found each other after last week and praying that continues. Amen. Sparty fans going to be consoling each other all week. Just you need a tissue. You need a tissue. And I'm happy about that. Amen. But yesterday, uh, I'm coaching my son's third and fourth grade rocket football team. And um, I know a lot of your kids are on this team. And so don't be offended when I say this. But you've watched the games. You know this is true. (laughs) Our best player, uh, his name is Grady. Great young man. uh, Phenomenal running back. Just one of those natural athletes, you know. And uh, he broke his arm on Thursday, our last practice. And yes, that's how I felt, but much worse. <laughs> and I said, oh, no. OK, all right. Well, this is OK. You know, it's just about having fun. Right. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I noticed uh, I noticed he, he came to the game. And this is interesting. We didn't tell any of the rest of the team, third and fourth grade boys. We didn't tell any of the rest of the team. Hey, when Grady gets here. Make sure you guys come around and make sure you guys encourage him. Make sure you build him up. Make sure you feel good. We don't have to say any of that. As soon as Grady showed up to the pregame and he's in an arm thing and he's got his game jersey, but he's not in his equipment, he comes up. All these little third and fourth grade boys, they just ran up around him. They start, Grady, Grady, we're excited. How does that happen? It doesn't happen other than the fact that God's wired that into people to care about other people. Are you with me? How much more so should the body of Christ be the people who come in and come around and help people when they're hurting? Are you with me? That's why we talked about last week. Galatians 5.13 says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. We're free. We've been set free. Thank God. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. Hey, you can use your freedom to Netflix it up and you can be entertaining and taking vacations and do all this kind of stuff. You can use your freedom to indulge in the flesh all you want. But the warning and the encouragement here is, but don't, don't do that. Instead, it says in 14, verse 14, it says, instead, for the entire law is fulfilled, keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Want it for your neighbor as much as you want it for yourself. 
As much as you want freedom and a healthy place and God to come in and do it for you, we also got to be a people who want it for other people around us. Are you with me? That's why we saw in 1 John 3, I'm going to paraphrase, but that's why we saw in 1 John 3 where the scripture says this. It says, hey, if you don't love others, again, I'm paraphrasing, if you don't love others, if you call yourself a Christian and a Christ follower and, and, and you don't love others, the reality is the love of God doesn't abide in you. That's what 1 John 3 says. If we aren't people that have it for other people and desire it for other people and have love for one another, then we don't have God's love. Ephesians 5 also gives us the encouragement that in this time, when these days are evil and all this stuff is going on, it says we have a responsibility to redeem it. Ephesians 5, again paraphrasing, it says we're called to redeem the time because the days are evil. Scripture didn't say the pastor is going to do it. Scripture didn't say the televangelists are going to be the one who shows up. It says we get to do this. We as a community, we as a body of Christ get to band together and come together and, and be a part of our community and say, hey, let's, let's make this better. Are you with me? Yeah. Proverbs 14, 21 says it this way. It is a sin to despise one's neighbor. But blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Think about that. If you're walking through your life and you're looking at a need over here of somebody else, you're like, oh, my gosh, look at these needy people. Oh, look who's hurting again. Look at this cause over here. Oh, they're asking me to serve. They're asking me to go help somebody who has a need. Oh, I despise it when they do that. Scripture calls that sin. It's a sin when we live that way. But what did the Scripture say is a blessing? It's a blessing when we live in a way that says, hey, where's the need and how can I help? How can I be a part of a community that comes along and says, nah, we can make this better? Are you with me today? I want to take a look at scripture. I believe God is going to move today. I got these, I got four points for you today and I'm up there doing my pre-service routine and praying and going through some things and I'm feeling really happy about these four points. And then all of a sudden God just drops in my heart. He says, yeah, you know, those, those are great four points and they're probably going to do good. But he said, uh, I'm going to do something different. And who's excited for God to do something different in this sermon today? I believe he's going to do it. So let's take a look at community, how community works together. Uh, I'm going to take it from two different accounts of the gospel. Uh, you know, we get, two, we get many different accounts in the gospel, so you can get the same story from two different perspectives. And so I'm going to kind of do that today with this paralyzed man story. So we'd be finding Mark chapter 2 and Luke verse uh, chapter 5. But this is the story of the paralyzed man being healed. Luke chapter 5 verse 17 says this, One day... Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were just sitting there. Now, I put the just part on there. <laughs> but it's interesting that all throughout Scripture, we see the Pharisees, the elite religious people, the high-level religious people who grew up in a good church family and went to the Christian school, and they know all the things. Very often in Scripture, you see the Pharisees sitting around. Not loving their neighbor. Well, but I paid my dues, pastor. I've done my part. A lot of times you see the religious Pharisees just sitting around, not involved, not engaged. So it said they had come. So the scripture says the teacher of the laws, they're just sitting there. It said they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. So a ton of people there. These are some big towns. These are, it's a big gathering. Scripture says, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. I got a question. Who thinks Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Okay. Did it say that the power was with Jesus to heal the sick? 
So if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, do you think it's possible that Jesus's heart is still to heal the sick? Okay. I got another question for you. Is it true that the scripture says that when we get saved, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, comes and dwells on the inside of us? So do you believe that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, do you believe that the Holy Spirit is dwelling on the inside of you? So would it make it possible then that through you and in you, the same Jesus who had the power to heal the sick here has the power to work through people to heal the sick today? Do you believe that? Okay. Did you just sing, let us become more aware of your presence? Did we just sing that? Did we just sing, let us experience the glory of your goodness? Okay, did you mean that? Did you mean it that you wanted to be more aware of the presence of God? Did you mean it when you said, let us experience the glory of your goodness? If you meant that and you're dealing with a sickness or anything hindering your body right now, I need you to raise your hand. Right now, I need you to raise your hand. You say, I have something going on in my body and I need healing. I need healing because the same spirit that, that raised Christ from the dead dwells and moves. I believe he wants to inhabit this room and heal you. So when the scripture says that in the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick, I also believe that when the scripture says you can lay hands on the sick, we can lay hands on the sick and they can recover. I believe that can happen right now. Did you just sing you want to become more aware of his presence? Did you just sing you want to experience the glory of his goodness? Then if you need healing in your body right now, put your hand back up. Put your hand back up. Okay. Now, if you're around someone who has their hand up, put your hand on them. It's okay if you can't reach somebody. But we're going to have a little church this morning. We're going to have a little church. Because I believe God's plan and his desire is to see us get ourselves in atmospheres where we become more aware of his presence in his power. And so I believe that the scripture says, the scripture says that our, our responsibility to pray is your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. Whatever your sickness and illness and hindrances in your body right now, can I tell you something? That sickness and hindrance and illness is not in heaven right now. So God's saying, I don't want that sickness and illness and hindrance on earth right now or in your body. And so this same power, this same Jesus that, that healed in the same very passage, I believe is in this room right now to heal you. Can I get an amen today? So let's pray and believe that the scripture says that by his stripes, we can be healed. Whatever your issue is, you say, well, it's just a little bit of allergies or asthma or arthritis, or maybe it's something as big as cancer. Do you know that those affirmities were beat on Jesus' body so that we may be healed? Let us be more aware of that power and that presence in this room right now. Amen. Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful that you are the wonder working God, that there's nothing no man can do, no pastor can do, no person who has their hand on us can do, but only you can do. And God, if you healed before, we believe that you can heal again. God, I thank you that it is your desire to see us restored and set free. God, I thank you that you paid for it all. And so, God, we, we, we believe like your word says 
that we can say to a mountain, be removed and it will be. And so, God, I speak over all of these mountains that are hindering people, all these sicknesses, infirmities and ailments. God, we bind and rebuke them and say they will come to not in Jesus name. Lord, I thank you that by your spirit, with these hands laid, God, you're healing and moving and loving your people right now. God, we want to be a people who experience the glory of your goodness right here in our physical bodies. I thank you for it. We believe it in Jesus name. Amen. Let's give God some glory. Let's give it up to God. Now watch your confessions. I'm not the big confession police guy, but you leave here going, I'm healed. We prayed, I'm healed. Not walking around believing and accepting all the diagnoses. We keep walking around and saying, saying, I believe in God's healed me and God's moving. Amen. Amen. All right, let's keep going. So the scripture says he's there with the power to heal the sick. And in verse 18, it says some men, now we know from Mark's account that it was four friends. So some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house. And and they tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, again, Mark's account says it this way, there was no room, not even room at the door. So they get there. You're definitely not getting in where Jesus is. And then maybe we can just look from the door or maybe we could just, oh, no, you're not even getting close to the door. They went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles. Again, Mark's account says it this way. They were digging through the roof. They were tearing the roof off to lower this paralyzed man down into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. We'll skip a couple verses because Jesus has to take a shot at the Pharisees in between this, which I love. And then in verse 24, he says this, but I want you to know that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been laying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Four points I want to take from this passage about community. And the first one is this. You need people in your corner. You need people in your corner. Scripture tells us that these guys grabbed four corners. That means this paralyzed man had people close enough to him that they could grab four corners. All this, oh, it's about me and self and just do you and live your own way and make it all about you. That doesn't put anybody in your corner. God is saying, hey, if you want to get to the miraculous, if you want to see your needs met, it does require people being in your corner. We know that these people knew his condition. We know that these people knew his schedule. And we knew that these people knew his desire to be healed. So they said, hey, this is the condition you're in. We know that we're going to have to take up the corners. We know that this is the day that we're going to go do it because he allowed people into his life that knew his schedule. And they knew that, hey, he had a desire to go be healed. In your life, you need people in your corner that know your condition that know your schedule, that know your desires. Can I get an amen today? And don't start freezing up and going like, oh, I'm not letting people in close because they, and we got all this stuff. No, no, this is what we need. We need people in our lives that can grab the corners when we need our corners grabbed and take us to where we need to get. Are you with me today? The big deception I believe that the enemy's doing in these last days is he's trying to tell people that they don't need people in their corner. 
That's why, and I love online church, and we do online church, and online church is fine to some degree. But that's why there's a huge danger when it comes to online church, because if all you do is experience church in a podcast or on a YouTube page, there's no way possible for someone to come get your corner. You got to get into a building. You got to get into a small group. You got to come to dudes and donuts. You got to go to women's night so that people can come alongside and grab a corner for you and say, hey, we're going to get you to Jesus. We're going to get you to what you need. We got to be careful with the online community. Are you with me? The trouble with community and the trouble with having people in your corner is it's hard, right? People are the worst. <laughs> One of my favorite books is a book. It's a real old book, book and it, it says this. It says, uh, hey, everyone is normal until you get to know them. Yeah. It's a leadership book. Like, I really like them. They're great. Six months later, we shouldn't have got to know them. <laughs> But I hear people say all the time, oh, I just really desire community. I want somebody to do life with. I just want to be able to go deep and have that lasting relationship forever. And I see you try for about a half a second. You show up one time and it doesn't work out and you go, I quit. See, I'm never going to have community. I'm never going to have a lasting relationship. Imagine if we applied that to any other meaningful relationship in our life. You go on your first date. You go out on a date, you want to make a meaningful, lasting relationship, you want to fall in love, and then you get home after that first date and you're like, he didn't propose to me. <laughs> we didn't fall head over heels on the first date, but we do that to church. You come to your first church event and you come to your first small group thing, I'm never going back because we didn't fall in love and make a lasting, are you with me today? It's amazing. And, and, and think about like our relationships that are really deep and meaningful and, and long lasting. They're hard. I don't know if this is like it for you, but one of the deep and meaningful and long lasting relationships I want to have is with my kids. I hope when my kids get old, I have this deep, meaningful relationship. Can I tell you something about my relationship with my kids right now? It is hard. <laughs> they treat me like I'm some kind of servant. <laughs> Make my food, clean my dishes, clean out my backyard. It's hard. Could you imagine if we applied the same thing to our kids? No. Why, 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 do, we, why do we put in effort for a meaningful, long-lasting relationship with our kids? Why do, why do we do that with our kids? Because we understand it's going to be hard. We're looking at the big picture, the long-term picture of community with our kids. Yeah. This might apply to you, but, but, but not to me. But some people say even marriage can be hard. <laughs> It's weird, right? A couple people come together and then all of a sudden, you know, like magically you got to be like in perfect unity and then you like you got to share money, like weird things happen. And then all of a sudden you make different decisions about money, like people want to spend money on decorations you put on a porch. <laughs> I thought there was four seasons like winter, spring, summer, fall. I didn't realize that there's like 77 things we have to decorate for. <laughs> And Hobby Lobby sells it for every single one of those things. And, and, and like wives, you didn't understand that like men would spend money on weird things like, like golf, like hitting a ball for four hours only to come home in a terrible mood. <laughs> uh, how was your day? Well, you know, I golfed today. Oh, how was that? Well, can you tell by my mood? And she's like, oh, and you paid money for that, didn't you? Yeah. I was in a, I heard of somebody this week who was in a golf outing. And their team had 16 mulligans. By the way, you play 18 holes. 
16 mulligans is like a redo. I get to redo this one. 16 mulligans we were allowed to use. And somehow you would think with 16 mulligans, you should be at least 16 under par, but probably even better than that. These jokers I heard of came home only three under par. <laughs> And I come home and I'm in a terrible mood and Jess is like, how did I go? And I told her the thing. She's like, well, who's on your team? And I was like, well, my brother. And she was like, Pah. and I said, Brad Boonstra. She's like, oh, really? you're Derek DeFrell. And she's like, oh, well, what did you think? I was like, I know I was making the turn after the front nine. And I was like, is it possible to call the Tim Brinks and get them here for the back nine? Like, I will leave these guys in the bathroom. I'm not even mad. But how we spend money and how we connect and how we relate, don't even get me started on extended family and in-laws. Like long lasting relationships, like they're difficult, but it's weird when it comes to like church community. If it's not perfect off the bat, we quit and run to the next thing. Am I telling the truth today? People, I say, well, how did it go? Did, you know, when you got together and you guys were connecting, you know, how come, how come it didn't go good? Well, I got there and I just started, opening up about it and I'm like well it sounds like when you got there you complained the whole time <laughs> sounds like you were crazy negative the whole time you were there but tell me how it go how come you guys didn't hit it off how did you what happened bro how come you guys didn't well when I got there I told him about how amazing I am and I was Mr. Know-it-all the whole time I was there well no wonder you didn't connect and hit it off and go deep it sounded like a jerk to be around Proverbs 18, 24 in the New King James Version says this, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. Like if you want community, <laughs> why did that go over so deadly? Like you guys were like, no, delete. <laughs> that sounds stupid. <laughs> Was it a microphone issue again? I don't know. I almost need to say it again. But you got to think in that perspective. You want a deep, lasting connection? You, 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 you want friends that you can do life with forever? Be that. Be that to somebody. Consider somebody. Call them and tell them you're praying for them. Call them and tell them you're thinking about the things they're going through. Am I telling the truth today? Yeah. Think about this paralyzed man. He was in a hard spot. He was in a hard spot. He had a handicap. He had a disability. Yet his disability didn't let his handy or his handicap didn't let him have a handicap in community despite disability despite his handicap he still found a way to thrive in community many people say i can't have community because i'm going through this thing right now you can't let that handicap or that disability hold you back from community can i get amen today point number two is this you need people in your corner who lead you to jesus you need people in your corner who lead you to Jesus. You can find a lot of people to put in your corner, but are they taking you? Are they carrying you to the right place? These guys come up and they say, man, I'm hearing this thing about Jesus. I'm hearing about this miracle, man. We need to lead you to this guy, Jesus. We need to lead you to this healthy place, this miracle, man. That's the place that we need to take you. And far too often I see good Christian people reach out to the wrong kind of people. They're not leading you to Jesus. They're not leading you to what God has next for you. Instead, you call and you say, man, I'm going through a lot right now. And I got all this stuff going on. And they say, well, tell me what's going on. And you start telling them. They say, oh, wow, boy, you need to just take care of you. You should stop serving in your church. Why are you going to a small group? You need just time at home. You need to just connect. And they're not leading you to Jesus. 
You just need a season for yourself. You just need to make it about you. That's not a person who's carrying you to Jesus. Can I get an amen? I give you this example all the time. One of the biggest mistakes I think we make is the people we call. The people we call. You need people in your corner who are going to, call, who are going to lead you to Jesus. Oftentimes, a, a mistake we make is when we're going through something in life, we call the person who's just going to agree with us the most. So you call up somebody and they just, they just answer, oh, yeah, that is terrible. You shouldn't be going through. And you call up Sister Bucket Mouth and all they do is lead you in negativity. They just lead you down a place that doesn't lead you to Jesus. Or guys, you call up your bro. Captain, you deserve it. And you call him up and, and he's going to agree with you. Captain, no, no, Captain, you deserve works like this. He's like, bro, you don't need to go to church on Sunday morning. You work hard. You deserve to go fishing in the morning on Sunday. You deserve to play golf in the morning. You know, you don't need to help around the house and be a part of raising those kids. Man, you work hard. You deserve to kick your feet up. We call Captain, you deserve. And he doesn't lead us to Jesus. Can I get an amen? He doesn't lead us where we need to go. We need somebody who's going to lead us to Jesus. These guys grabbed the corners and said, hey, I know where we need to go. We need to get to this place where this man can do a miracle. Point number three is this. You need people in your corner who won't quit until the miracle happens. You don't need these little people that just say, well, bless you. Well, it sounds like you got a big miracle ahead of you. Well, good luck with that. God bless you. Lord's will. (laughs) Don't get me started on that either. You need people to say, oh, you know what? The front door. Oh, look, look, look. Well, let me just say this. As far as we know, think about this. These miracle believing people. As far as we know in scripture, because this is the first time in scripture we see Jesus healing a paralyzed person. But as far as we know, it's not like these guys found a business card of Jesus and it says, Jesus of Nazareth, specializing in eyes open, deaf ear, paralyzed. Oh, look at this, you guys. We should go find this guy who specializes. This is the first time we know in scripture that Jesus healed a paralyzed person. So here come some guys that say, hey, Uh, we should get you over to this miracle man. I believe because I'm believing with you because we're in community. Because remember Jesus said it's, hey, you guys, your faith. He said it was their faith. That means at some point I believe in the story. They said, hey, I got an idea, paralyzed man. I bet you that guy can heal you. Because he had some friends here in his corner that said, hey, we're not going to quit or stop until we help you get to your miracle. Are you with me today? So they carried his mat. Think about this. I imagine when Jesus is in town, and I just read to you, it said from every village of Galilee, it said from Judea and Jerusalem, there's a ton of people there. So I imagine picking up a mat and carrying a guy through a very busy, crowded area would have been a a pretty hard feat. Wouldn't you agree? People come in on donkeys and all the other things that they do. But here comes these guys carrying this guy. And, you know, I'm comical in, you know, if you've ever put your kids in a bed sheet and you just like, I imagine they were messing around a little bit, making a scene. But the scripture says that they did that. They pushed through all of that, the crowd. The scripture says when they get there, there's no room inside. They could have said, well, bud, we tried. Lord's will. They said, ah, the front door. Oh, that's not going to work. Let's let's maybe see if we can just see from the outside. Maybe we can get his attention like through the door. Oh, that's not going to work. And they didn't say, well, bud, I only serve once a month. So good try here on the front door. (laughs) 
They said, no, no, we're not stopping there because I'm in your corner and we're going to fight with you and stand with you. We're going to check up with you. When you get the report that it's still not where you want it to be, because the report first said, uh, not, you're not getting in here, negative report. They said, that's all right. We're going to trust God and believe that's going to happen a different way. Yeah. They said, oh, well, we can't do it from the outside. The report said, oh, you're not going to get it from here. They said, okay, well, we're going to stand with you again this month. And we're going to believe, oh, hey, I got an idea. Let's get up on the roof. Now, imagine the scripture said that every village of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, all these people are around. And now you got these guys with a guy on his mat and they're saying, hey, let's climb up on the roof and begin to destroy this guy's roof. <laughs> that was their idea. And so they did it. They get up on the roof. Why? Because they were in his corner and they wouldn't quit until what? The miracle happened. Yeah. That's community. That's how the body of Christ is called. We don't say, well, good luck. I'm praying for you. Lord's will. Click heart on Facebook. No, I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to pray until the miracle happens. I'm going to check up with you and contend with you and be a part of what God is doing in your story until the miracle happens. Can I get an amen today? So I want to, I want you to ask yourself this morning, who carries your mat and who's carrying your mat right now when you need a miracle? Do you have four people on your corner? Do you have someone in your life that's checking in and asking you if you're getting where you need to be? Do you have anyone in your life that would rip the roof open for you? If not, you need to find community because we need people in our corner. Can I get an amen today? When you have the, dad, the bad doctor's report, when the marriage seems dead, you need somebody who's going to that, rip that roof open and believe for your marriage. When that teenager's gone awry. You need someone who's saying, no, we're going to believe that teenager and call and pray that teenager home. Are you with me? And then point number four, I love this about the story. Point number four is this. You need people in your corner who will give the glory to God. Notice the scripture says when the miracle happened, they begin to praise and give glory to God. Notice those guys, the, the people who carried them in, the four corner guys, notice they didn't say, everybody look what we did. Look at what we've done here. Us four faith, four corner people. Look what we've done here. Did you guys all hear? I got to update my status. Jesus said because of the faith of your friends, these four people, look what we did. Instead, they gave glory where glory was due and they gave it to God. You need people in your life who are building God up, not building you up. Yeah, we need people to build us up. But we need to make sure people are aiming us unto the glory of God. Are you with me? Boy, they're lucky to have me today. Aren't they lucky that I sang and served? Aren't they lucky to have me at the front door and kids me? Aren't they lucky to have me? Or to say, boy, I'm so lucky to be a part of giving God glory on a Sunday morning. Scripture says, everyone then, when the community did its part, when they grabbed their four corners, when they contended for the miraculous, the scripture says that the community then got to see the power of God on display. Our world needs to see the power of God on display. How are they going to see the power of God on display? When the body of Christ becomes the community it's called to be, and we care and we love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves, and we grab corners for the hurting, and we contend for the miraculous. Are you with me today? So if you need these four things in your life, in your body, if you need these four things in your life, can I tell you this? The church needs these four things in its life as well. The church, this church needs people in its corner. This church needs people who will lead us to Jesus. This church needs people who won't quit until the miraculous happens. And this church needs people who will give God the glory. 
And that's why you have a serve card on your seat this morning. I know last week we signed people up to be a part of the ministry. I'm going to just read this to you real quick. But you got these on your seat. And last week, I just want to say thank you for those of you that served. Uh, we need about 30 or 40 more people that can say, yes, we want to join a team. We want to be a part of holding the corner for somebody. We want to get in people's lives. We want to do community. So in just my last three minutes, I'm going to run you through these areas of ministry. But my challenge to you is this this morning. Be a part of the community. Jump in. Get on the corner for somebody so that we can see God get glory. Amen. I don't believe God called us to be these Pharisees who, when Jesus is doing the work in our community, we're just sitting there. Amen. So we've got a few areas here that I want you to know about. Our setup and teardown team. I know we heard about this a little bit last week, but sadly, the statistic is people accidentally only come to church every other week. I, I used up all my harshness in the sermon, so I'm being extra kind here. <laughs> but set up and tear down is an amazing ministry. You have a blank slate. You get to be the first people that come in and set up chairs, but you get to be the first people who come in and pray the prayers over this building. You get to say, God, I can't wait to see you move and move in power and your name be lifted high as you set up and plug things in and put signs out. And so set up and tear down is an amazing team. Our tech team, you know, we, we have a generation of people who crave digital arts. So what you see right here, lights and all the different things that happen, we have a young generation that they're, if we're going to draw them in, if we're going to call them into the, the house of God, one of the ways that we can use this is through, through the arts, digital arts. I believe it's a ministry. Can I get an amen today? And you don't have to be an all-knowing kind of tech person. You don't need a degree from any, you know, Apple or anything like that. If you're somebody who can come in and join a team and, and learn some stuff, we'd love to have you on the tech team. Same thing with our, our coffee bar. I said it last week. A lot of people don't know this, but if we didn't have coffee on Sunday, people would come in and they would just leave. If there was no coffee, they would just leave. It's the only thing. But our coffee bar, sitting out with coffee is a great way to connect with people and have a conversation at the coffee bar. Prayer team. We, we believe that prayer changes things. Amen. Could you imagine if we were a church and we didn't have enough people and we couldn't pray for people? You say, well, I don't, I don't know a ton about prayer. And I don't Do you believe that prayer changes things? Get on that prayer team and believe with us. Amen. Uh, our security team, we believe in keeping things safe and secure. And so there's a lot of order. And if you're somebody who likes to keep order and obviously make sure all our kids are safe, um, the security team would be a great one. Greeting. Again, you've been this way. I said it last week. Many of you have either walked into a store or a restaurant. And because you had such a terrible greeting at the front door, you didn't even want to be there anymore. And that happens in church all the time. And so we want to be friendly and greeting. And so that's a great way that you can minister to people. Our worship team. Uh, we'd love to get you up here. What a, what a blessing is that we can come in and be refreshed and sing these songs and give glory back to God. Amen. Uh, kids check-in. Uh, kids check-in is an amazing way for you to build up kids. They come in nervous, and it's, it's the time, you know, where they're going to be sent off from their parents. And you get to go up there and say, hey, what a great day. We're going to have so much fun today. And you get to speak life over them. It's an amazing ministry. Elementary, four and fives, twos and threes. What an awesome opportunity. I know I said it last week. But what an amazing opportunity as these kids are young and their pages are blank. On this, you may be the first one who gets to tell them the story of Noah or Samson and how God wants to be with them and never leave them or forsake them. What an unbelievable honor. Can I get amen today? And then babies, obviously, giving moms a break and dads a break where they can put their kids in a place where they're going to be safe and uh, taken care of and they can come down here and receive from God. It's an amazing ministry. These four categories right here are highlighted in blue because they can be separate from a Sunday morning serve experience. So really you could do these in black and then you could do blue uh, in an off time. But 
kids uh, or hand to hand is an amazing ministry. Just this week, again, they were packing bags and praying over them. You know, Jesus used food all throughout scripture to minister to people. We're doing the same thing through hand to hand. Amen. I believe God can anoint it and send it in and make a difference through hand to hand. Kids Hope, it is an amazing, amazing ministry uh, where we get to go into the schools for one hour every single week. And we get to minister to a student who uh, is either kind of struggling academically or just socially. Uh, maybe they got hurts uh, that have happened through their upbringing. Uh, just one quick example, and I'm not going to do this uh, a very good uh, service. But uh, last year, my first student was the first time meeting this young girl. Uh, normally, they pair up a male with a male and a female with a female. But this little girl, uh, help me out, guys, second grader, I think, second grader, first grader. Um, she lost her dad over the summer. Uh, tragically lost her dad over the summer, comes from a very broken home, and the school identified that uh, this is just a girl who needs a male figure in her life, encouraging her, supporting her. And so they said, I know who would be crazy enough to do that. Let's make the pastor do that. <laughs> just kidding. It was my honor and joy. And so they said, hey, we're going to make a little exception here. Would you mentor this girl? Now, it's always out in open space, and it's totally, you know, not anything that could be in any kind of danger. And so I meet her for the very first time. This is true. All the staff could tell you this. Put me into a spin out, honestly. So I meet her like, hey, of course, I'm not going to say her name. I'm so excited to be with you this year. We're going to have such a great time. I don't bring up anything about her summer, even though I knew that. And I knew the things that had happened to her in her life. And so we got coloring books and we got candy land. And so in the one hour we were together, we were only about 22 minutes into it. And I'm just speaking life over her and I'm encouraging her. And I'm telling her I'm having so much fun playing candy land with her. Now you might sit here and say, who cares about one hour in the school playing candy land? Like what difference are you making? Listen, this is what happened. Playing candy land, we're coloring, we're doing stuff. And all of a sudden, at one moment while we're laughing, having a good time, she lays her head on my shoulder and says, Dad, it just, it came out. It came out. You think it's not a big deal. One hour in the school. But those true holes that get left in kids through dysfunction in their upbringings. She caught herself and said, I mean, Mr. Josh, you are making an incredible difference. That is grabbing a corner of the kids in our community and say, hey, we're going to get you to your wholeness and your restoration. Are you with me? Yeah. We need, is it three more females and one more male that can sign up in Kids Hope and make sure that we meet the need in our school. I hope that you can be a part of that. Student ministries, I know I'm running a little bit over. Student ministries, we had the largest student. Yeah, Josh over here was a part of it. Last week I got to preach. God is moving in student ministries. Listen, we had the largest student ministry event ever. This is what happened. They asked me to come and preach the sermon. I get up here, I preach the sermon, I do the altar call. We had a great night. Little girl sitting on this front row, I forget what age she is, probably sixth grade or something like that, raised up her hand and says, um, hey, I want to say something. I'm like, okay, I'm thinking she's going to ask what game we're playing first. Can we go eat pizza now? I'm like, yeah, what's your question? And she says, oh, I want to come up here and say something. I say, okay. I give her the mic. Girl starts preaching for five minutes to all of her peers, which by the way, I said, girl, female, she, we empower that in this church. Can I get an amen? She starts preaching. I was like, oh, I'm offended at this point. What? The sermon wasn't good enough? Where did I miss it? Where did I miss it? What part? You tell me. God's moving in our young people. They may say Gen Z is worth nothing, but I'm telling you, Gen Z is the grand finale. I believe it. Are you with me? And then lastly, hospitality. If you make a Stuff with sugar. Don't make any of that vegan weird stuff. You stuff with butter, stuff with sugar, stuff with beef. If you make those good meals, we want you on the team. <laughs> Here's what you do. You take this card, you fill it out. All right, that's enough. We don't do fun in church. We don't do that. 
uh, pray about it, consider it, uh, fill it out. You can fill it out today. If you, hey, I know God wants me to get on a team. I want to be a part of it. You fill it out, go drop it off at the information table. We'll get you plugged in. You say, I want a little bit of time to pray about it. Think about it. Awesome. Take it home, fill it out, pray about it, and then bring it back whenever God leads you to, and we'll get you plugged in. I believe God is in our community. I believe that God is leading us into places we can't even dream of. Amen. I believe the best is ahead. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for what you're doing, how you love us and lead us. God, I thank you for all that you've done today. Lord, we believe that you're healing people and you've healed people. God, I thank you that you're connecting people to community so we can make a difference. God, I pray that you empower us to live it by your spirit. In Jesus name. Amen.